She sat on her booster seat, swinging her legs with a buoyancy that belied her scowl. I looked over just in time to see her open her mouth and hatch a mound of chewed grilled cheese onto the table. Jenny? Harry answered, sounding confused. Is everything okay? Oh, sure. Just another day in paradise, I said. Rose quieted, distracted by a hank of my hair. I miss you. Harry said. I miss the girls. He sounded sad, or maybe just tired. Well, you're in luck, I said. We're all right here, and we're taking visitors. I love you, you love me, Betty sang to her grilled cheese. The girl had a passion for dairy. Shh, baby, please, I said to her. To Rose, to the thunder that grumbled a little farther in the distance now, to the world. What, Harry? I'm losing you. I'm going to stop for cigarettes on my way home, it sounded like he said. So you're not quitting then, I said, having forgotten all about the milk. I would remember only when I poured my dinner bowl of Cheerios at 11 p.m., which I ended up eating with water, as I'd done more times than I cared to admit. Then he was gone. He would stay that way for a while. When Harry left and I died, it was the beginning of a desperately hot summer. A long, sun-scorched stretch of days determined to silence doubters of global warming. The sidewalks of Brooklyn baked all around us, Prospect Park, an expanse of brownish hay. I had these two babies, and people were always saying that my whole life was ahead of me. Nosy grandmothers on the subway tugging at Rose's booty or boinging Betty's curls. Neighborhood eccentrics dispensing unsolicited advice from their bodega front benches. I nodded and thanked them, or sometimes rolled my eyes. My life with Harry had begun five years earlier right around the time I started feeling my biological clock doing the My Cousin Vinny thing. I was working at an exhausting job at a magazine that I was just starting to realize was not going anywhere. Not the magazine, not the job, not me. I was officially single and loving it, but in reality, too tired by the end of the day to do anything more fabulous than drag myself home and watch fabulous amounts of television. Romantic comedies counted as educational if they were in black and white. We all go haywire at times, and if we don't, maybe we ought to, I'd mouth along with the Philadelphia story. I was too old to still have a roommate who called it cooking when she added pepper to her ramen. I was too young to retreat to the Midwest, capitulating to a life with many cats. It is annoying to find yourself living a cliché. It is doubly annoying to turn your life upside down, only to settle into a fate even more banal than the one you are trying to avoid. I met Harry on my 30th birthday, which I took as an omen. It was a few weeks after September 11th, the bad one, and everyone in the city was feeling existentially wigged out, nostalgic for things we'd never noticed before. There was a barbecue on one of the last warm days of the year in someone's closety backyard, morning glory strangling the brick. Those vines are lovely, I told my host, trying to be friendly. She'd frowned, confessed, they're killing everything.
I didn't know these people well, but in those weeks, everyone was overly solicitous and given to gallows humor. Getting together to consume comfort food and avoid the subjects of death and patriotism in favor of those vaguer favorites, what was so great about our city, and the things that really mattered. It smelled like burning rubber in Brooklyn. Every night I dreamed I had children who got lost in my pockets. In other words, it was a dangerous time to meet someone new. Over by the fence was Harry. He was wearing a leather jacket that was too warm for the weather, which I didn't question at the time. His white shirt gaped open at the collar. I first noticed that triangle of neck. He stood talking to a trio of pretty blondes, and I couldn't hear what he said, but all at once, as if choreographed, they threw back their heads and laughed. Here was